and welcome back to the Big Green Couch. We've got myself here, Jake and Tree as our hosts, our lovely producer Evan, and we've got Coach Jamie back with us to finish up part two of our cycling chat today. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you. All right. And so I know I know that you guys probably missed me so much last podcast. I, I'm sure the whole time you were like, listen, cycling is amazing, but where's Brooke? Well, don't you worry. <laughs> I see a lot of eye rolling going on on our screens right now. Uh, don't you worry. I'm back. So, Jake, uh, like we mentioned, we are doing two parts on the cycling because there's so much to speak on it. And I know that we can even get into different topics such as the triathlons talk and things like that later on. But uh, wh- where are we picking off from, Jake? Yeah, we're, we're picking off with... Uh... Basically, Jamie came through with all the knowledge. So we kind of wanted to start off again uh, with how long should I ride to start out? Basically, just again, kind of continuing that conversation. What should I do when I want to get started into cycling? Yeah, good, good, good question. Um, so it depends if you're going to ride indoors or outdoors. So I'll give you kind of some recommendations for both. So riding outside, you may want to start with five to 10 miles and then gradually build up, you know, your duration or your mileage, you know, take it to the trails, a less busy area, especially if you're not really comfortable being out on the roads. Um, that's kind of a good way to start there. And then inside, you know, a similar 15 to 20 minutes, if you're riding on your stationary bike, you can gradually build up to an hour or longer. Um, and you can use different tools like your heart rate watch or like the rate of pursuit exertion. It's a scale from zero to 10. Um, you starting with a warm up is typically one to two, easy efforts three to four, and then we go into that moderate five, seven. Harder efforts are eight, nine, and then that all out like sprint would be a nine, 10. So you can use some of those tools to kind of help you gauge um, how you're feeling. And you also want to listen to your body. Um, whether you're indoors or outdoors, let pain um, be your guide, difficulty breathing, headaches, or dizziness. If you experience any of those, you definitely want to stop um, immediately um, and maybe seek help dependently if you're working out too hard or just all of a sudden experience some of those symptoms, slow down and recover, catch a breath, grab a drink, um, and obviously just kind of monitor your conditions. Um, so that's kind of the best way to get started indoors or out. Wow. Uh, so, Jamie... <sighs> I'm not very experienced with cycling, but how do you do your routine? You mentioned doing things like hills or sprints, intervals versus, you know, longer rides, I assume, where you're maybe just, just kind of going at one pace. Like when would I, when would I do those different ones? Or is there, is there any benefits to switching back and forth or what do you think about that? Yeah, it's really good to break it up and add a lot of variety, especially if you're indoor um, riding. When you're outdoors, you have, you know, wind resistance, hills, the uh, road resistance as well. So that can vary your workout. But in an indoor ride on a trainer or even on a stationary bike, throwing in some hills or some sprints or intervals just kind of keeps the body going. It changes it up. You just don't, you're not just in that static or that continuous state. Um, so adding those intervals and in can kind of um, give you a more of a challenging workout and then also break up that boredom. Um, so when I'm training, it kind of depends if I'm doing like a triathlon or I'm going to be doing a longer road ride and there's, it's a flat course and I may alter my, um, speed or cadence just to kind of break it up and also play with those different resistance, um, and also kind of build up that aerobic, um, 
strengthening with my lungs and my heart and my legs. But if my course is more hilly based or hill based, then I want to throw in those hill intervals too. So I'm training um, for that intervals for climbing up and down. Um, so it gives your body time to kind of prepare as well. Because uh, if you train flat and you go race hills, then you're really going to struggle in the event. And the goal in the training is to kind of get you prepared in all those different environments and those resistance. So on race day, it goes really smooth and you're, you're good to go. Okay, very cool. So I did, I did have another question for you, kind of along these lines, kind of not. This kind of relates to something you guys talked about on the, the last episode of this podcast, and I did listen to it. It was phenomenal. I love all the information that you shared, so I'm really sorry that I missed it. But I have noticed when I cycle, and I mostly cycle for a leisure, right? I'm the person who rides my bike to work occasionally or rides it just to get around town faster or maybe just for a nice like evening breath of fresh air. I'm not really uh, somebody who exercises cycling. I have done some cycling classes and they, oh my gosh, they kick my butt every time. Um, <laughs> but what I've noticed when I'm biking outdoors or even, even sometimes inside is that I tend to get just so tight through my shoulders and my back now, would you say that that is an issue with how my bike is set up or maybe my form? Like what what would you say being the expert is probably the reason for that? Yeah, I'd have to actually see you probably in action to give a better, um, I guess, recommendation, but definitely bike fit is important. Um, and then obviously posture on your bike. So you want to make sure your seat height and your handlebars are obviously in the right position for you and, and your seat as well. And then moving from that, um, just you want to gently step nice and tall. You want to drop your shoulders down and back. I kind of like to pinch, gently pinch my shoulder blades to my spine. And then I like to gently hinge from those hips a little bit, um, especially if you're in a, like more of a mountain bike or a road bike. Well, so a mountain bike, you're going to be a little more upright. Your road bikes, um, you tend to drop down a little bit more. Um, so you just want to keep those shoulders relaxed. A light bend in the elbow, keeping those elbows kind of towards the back of the room. Um, that's the best way. And just make sure you hang onto your bike, but you're not like a death grip onto those handlebars, especially indoor or outdoor. Outdoor, you have a little more balance, wind, resistance, traffic. So you get a little more stress there. So you might grip a little harder. But if you can try to kind of keep your hands light on those handlebars, that will also take some of the tension away from the shoulders. Okay. And then those tips as far as form, that goes either way, whether you're doing hills, sprints, standing up on your bike, seated, it, it, it all applies, right? It does apply to some, but it just depends. So some individuals, when they're hill climbing, they come out of the saddle. Um, so there would be a little different posture there. And then triathletes, if you're in a tri bike, you're going to be down like almost in a plate position on your pads or your arrow bars. So there, it would be a little different form, but you still will, you would still hinge the hips and you would brace to the core, whether you're, you know, in a, in a more aerodynamic form or if you're upright, um, Again, you'd probably apply some of those um, forms or postures as well. Wow, who knew uh, planking could be so good for our cycling, right? This is all; these are all such great tips. I'm taking notes over here because I'm just not a great cycler. I'm not a great bike rider, so I I love all this information. Yeah, and then bracing through the you know core because you're hinged over those handlebars or through those hips, whether you're in the upright mountain bike or on a road bike or even in a tri bike. Um, so, you know, in, engaging the core will also help kind of protect our spine um, since we're all, you know, in that forward position. 
So it's definitely planking or like all the different types of planks you can do um, will definitely help cyclists and keep you safe. Um, so Jamie, as far as like beginners or people who are intermediate or advanced, like how would, or what would you suggest for like strength and mobility, like to go along to complement um, a cyclist? Yeah, definitely working on the core. We have to remember that when you're biking, you're in that you're in that seated position. So definitely working those hip flexors, keeping them loose and those quads, you know, loosened up, um, strengthening the back, um, anything to do like your rows, back rows, um, and then even glutes. So like lunges, your deadlifts to keep those um, glutes and hamstrings good and strong would definitely be something you could, or a cyclist would want to um, add into their strength program. And then a good pillar prep and movement prep would also be really important. A lot of stretching, rolling, quads, hamstrings, glutes as well um, are just some different things they can do to help, you know, with mobility work. Um, for me, typically what I would do, um, I like to do a lot of like inchworm walkouts to kind of get me started. Um, from there, I'll go into some uh, knee hugs, just again, just kind of moving. Um, I'll get down into the adductor quad pit. So I put, you know, get down on all fours, kick a leg out and kind of rock back and forth over my heel to kind of get into those hips a little bit. And then um, I would also do some gentle lunges before I started my cycle nothing real aggressive. Again, I'm warming up before I ride. Um, and then from there, uh, let's see. Oh, oh, I would do world's greatest stretch where you go down in kind of like a high plank position and then you go through some trunk rotations. Um, again, if you're riding outside, you want really good mobility within the core because you want to be able to look over your shoulder um, also through the neck to make sure there's traffic, not traffic in your way if you're crossing or moving into a different lane. So you want to make sure you have a really good rotation through the thoracic and lumbar spine. Does that answer your questions? Yeah, there's a lot of people who don't think about that, you know, like having that rotation, you know, as a, as a functional movement when you're actually on the road. Um, and then, so to follow up with that, how do you like split your training, right? So like when you do your strength training, how, how many days a week are you doing strength training versus how many days a week you're doing cycling? Good question. Well, right now it kind of depends. So with um, triathlete, if you're, so I'm more of a triathlete than like a, a diehard cyclist. Um, so for me, from like a tri triathlete standpoint, I bike about three to four days a week. I strength train, strength train a couple days a week, depending on the time of season for me. And then I'm swimming a couple of days and then running three or four days. And sometimes like my workouts might be a brick, which is swim, bike, and run, or it might be a bike and run, uh, might be a run and swim. So it kind of it kind of varies throughout the week. And then if it's close to race um, race time, the closer it gets to race, the more I do more movement prep, you know, stretching, recovery work, but versus like a lot of weight and strength. And even as a triathlete, we do some some good weight, um, especially early in the season. And then it becomes more, you know, endurance based. So it's lighter, moderate weight, higher repetition. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question. So typically, um, I kind of mix it in. So I might do strength more Tuesday, Thursday, um, mixed with my lighter bike run. Um, I, Two days of rest is re kind of recommended with triathletes. Again, it just depends on your program. I actually have a coach that kind of helps guide me. I, I grant I have a degree in 
fitness and exercise science and all this training, but just having somebody else to provide that information for me, it just takes the guesswork out and I just go and execute. So it kind of just depends on what they put in or he puts in into my training. So um, right now I'm kind of focused on two days off, um, but one of my days off could just be a light recovery walk or swim, nothing real aggressive. And then I have one complete day of rest. So my strength strength training days kind of fit in there somewhere. Um, again, I try to give myself 24 to 48 hours before I do a lot of strength training um, movements, especially if I go a little bit heavier um, and even higher repetition. So I don't know if that answers your question, but it kind of just depends on the person and their program and what their goals are and what they're working towards. Yeah, I, I really love a couple of key points that you pointed out there. Like, again, your education, your background, but you still have your own personal coach helping guide you on this path, which is so important because I love to talk to even people on this call, like trainers and get new ideas for my program. So either if I'm cycling or not, it's always important to get another person's perspective on what we're doing and uh, how to change up your training. Because when you change up your training, you're going to create a little bit of a stimulus and it's going to help you get better results. So I love a couple of key points there. And it sounds like you have a jam-packed week, so I'm kind of jealous. It sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> it can be fun. It can get tiring, too, but I love it. So um, you have to love it, have a passion for it, or, you know, it's a long session. So typically for Ironman, for me, it's about a six-month training um, with COVID and cancellation, canceled races. It'll end up being a little longer training for me. So it'll be about a year of training. So it's like a full-time job, honestly. Um, but you have to love it or you're not going to stick with it. That's so I don't fun. mind I don't mind seven, eight hours on the bike or two hours swims or long runs. So um, it's kind of my escape. And again, I think we kind of talked about this last week. It's We work in a fitness center um, as coaches. We're there all day. And so for me doing triathlon training or getting outside, I'm still staying active. I'm kind of getting outside the four walls. And, you know, that's why I like triathlons too, because I get to do a little mix of swim, bike, run, and some core um, and some strength training as well. Oh, man. <laughs> Those are some long days. But what that oh. did... <laughs> Right? Oh my goodness. My um, eyes are so wide right now. I can't even handle seven, eight hours. Oh my gosh, Jamie. Yeah, that's insane. But with that being said, do you have any helpful tips to stay motivated? I know you said like six months of training, like that's a long period. And I know you said that you absolutely love it and that helps. But do you have any like quick tips for people trying to get into it or like just keep consistent with it? Yeah, the best way is, you know, start slow, ease into it. I, you know, I've been racing and training for a long time. So I started with sprints and, you know, kind of got comfortable there and then moved a little longer distance, like your Olympic distance. And we're kind of, I know, crossing that bridge with triathlon and cycling. But um, again, just it's an endurance event. And then I kind of built up towards a half, you know, half Ironman into a full Ironman. And even like with running, you start with like a 5K, you know, to go to a 10K, half half marathon into a full marathon and then other things. So the best way to start slow, ease into it, build up, you know, know all your stuff. So work on your strength, your, you know, training increase slowly. So you don't, you know, risk injury and then do your core work stabilization. Your recoveries are important. Um, Sometimes we as trainers and also as athletes, 
we push to the limit. And so definitely listen to your body. Give yourself rest. It's incredible, it's incredibly important to rest and let body, you know, your body kind of tell you and guide you. So if you're feeling great, then run or work out. If you're feeling really tired or fatigued or just like having a rough day, maybe do something a little lighter. You could still be active. Um, if you're, you know, adamant about hitting your mileage or not missing a day of training, maybe just dial back, slow down. It's okay to rest. You can catch up later. Um, so that would be kind of some tips. Also, maybe a diary to kind of track your, your training where you are that can motivate you. Then, you know, you can kind of see your, your highs and your lows. Um, you have to enjoy it. You have to love it. You know, and if you're just, again, if you're having a rough day, it's okay not to force it. Um, but just find something you enjoy and you'll stick with it. Wow. That's great, Jamie. And so one thing that I'm curious about, because I tend to do this to myself and I don't even train for these extreme races, like I can tell you, I've absolutely never worked out for seven hours in a day, not even close, but I find that it's easy for me to overtrain because I do like to push myself a lot. So how do you keep yourself from overtraining? I know you mentioned recovery a little bit, but even with lighter days, that seems like so much. How do you, how, how do you recover in order to, you know, stop yourself from overtraining? Yeah, good question. Um, obviously, I listen to my body as, you know, more experienced athlete now, so, or triathlete. Um, and I'm older, I'm an older triathlete too than I was, you know, 20 years ago. So um, when I would just push through it. Um, so now, you know, definitely recovery. Nutrition is probably, we call that our fourth discipline in a triathlon because you got to have your nutrition. So eating foods to help fuel recovery, you know, my proteins to help build my muscle, you know, back up from the breakdown from the workout, um, you know, manage inflammation. So recovery. So, you know, and we have classes, you know, at our that we offer throughout the week too. So recovery tactics, some of those classes, anybody can join, you know, working to foam roll the quads, the hamstrings. I also do, um, I have like compression boots that I put on, you know, after runs and long rides that kind of help move the stuff around in my legs and just kind of help my body recover faster. It helps, you know, with circulation. Occasionally I'll do some icing if I feel that there's like some, you know, I guess, extra inflammation, just areas that I need to do some additional work with. Um, and just stretching, you know, that's kind of how I help recover and just manage the, you know, my pushing myself beyond. And then for two, getting into the heart rate ranges, if you're dialing back into that, like, especially for the run and the bike, you want to stay within certain ranges or you can kind of blow yourself up for, you know, the next component in an event. So just dialing in more so with my heart rates, paying attention to like my, rate of perceived exertion, like all of that. It's kind of just one big circle and it all kind of comes back together um, not to overdo it. Um, and again, if I'm just really tired or really feeling bad or just need a break, I just tell myself it's okay to take a rest break, let your body recover. Because if you go out there and you're pushing really hard and you push through it, you could, you could go be okay and be fine or you could really injure yourself. So dial back, rest a little bit. You can catch, you, sometimes you can't catch back up on your training. Um, depending on where you are, but it's okay to like skip it, recover, and then catch back up the next day or move on to the next day or work. If you're working with a coach, just let them know, and then they can dial in or, you know, adjust your training too, to help you out. Yeah. And I was going to mention that exact same thing that you did, Jake, that Jamie mentioned was even our coaches train with coaches. So if you're somebody listening, you're hesitant about training with a coach, 
we all got to do it. Even, even the coaches train with coaches, everybody could use the extra help. Right. So I, I really loved that too, Jamie. That's amazing advice. So I know we got a little bit off topic because we got way too interested, not too interested, way interested in your triathlon experience, which I can't wait to hear more about. I love this type of stuff, but kind of going back to cycling here. Um, I have seen, I've attended one of your cycling classes and I noticed that you have an actual bike at home. So how, how can we cycle at home if we don't have like a, you know, a spin bike set up? Yeah. So what you can do, if you don't have an actual like club, we call it a club cycle bike, which is like your Kaisers and your Schwens, um, your stationary type bikes. What you can do is if you have a road bike, a triathlon bike, some mountain bikes, you can do it. You would just have to obviously get rid of your knobby tire and have like a trainer tire. Um, definitely do some research, but there are trainers that you can actually hook up your back wheel or like your chain onto it depends. Um, and actually ride inside, you can adjust your resistance so some of them are Wi-Fi, Bluetooth enabled, and some are just, you know, old school, just a frame. You hook your back wheel into it. You adjust, the, um, you adjust it down a little bit, and you just ride. Um, so those are ways you can actually use your own bike, and that's what you're referencing. So my tri-bike is actually hooked up onto a real, a weir, sorry, a rear, rear wheel trainer, um, and it hooks in. It kind of creates like a stationary bike, so I won't fall if I'm on it, and then I can ride however long I need to, um, on that bike for that session. I remember when, um, we had a discussion a couple of months back, Jamie, and you told me about that. And I was like, mind blown. I was like, Whoa, wait, like you can ride your bike at home this whole winter. I've been missing out. I was so mad. I still haven't gotten it, but it's definitely on my like to purchase list because that really does like change the game as far as not just being an athlete, but always just wanting to stay active, especially like I live in New York. So, I mean, sometimes I ride my bike in the winter, but the motivation just ain't there. So that's a really, a really good way to, to keep active. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, like I said, there's a lot of different styles out there. So do your research, you know, figure out what's better for you and your bike. You can also talk to your local bike store. They can kind of guide you as well. Um, so for like me, I have mine. It's a little more, I guess it has a little more options, bells and whistles. So it's Wi-Fi enabled. I can log into like Zoom or Ruby or some of those different apps um, that have cycling maps or routes or even pacers. Or if you have best friends in other cities or states or towns, you can actually ride together at the same time and kind of compete. And again, that kind of dials into that motivation. Or maybe if you're needing like that extra um, bump to get you over whatever you're experiencing, maybe writing with a friend elsewhere. So some of those apps are great as well for indoor writing. Again, it can get kind of boring. So finding something um, that you enjoy or finding music or again, pacing, commuting. I like to dial in and use the maps on my route um, for the races I'll be training. So it gives us, it gives me a little idea of kind of what I'm doing. My trainer actually allows a little bit of resistance changes, so it'll kind of adjust based on, you know, the route or if it's a hill uh, up to some um, uh, variation. Um, and again, other trainers, they're kind of dry trainer. You actually put your chain on there. It goes crazy. They, they, are, they are a little more expensive, um, but there's a lot more um, resistance and, and different things you can do with it. So you can keep it very simple or you can go very you know, extreme with your training, with your indoor trainers, um, with your own bike on it versus like your club cycle bike. You mentioned all these great apps and 
ways you can, you know, connect with people while you're writing, keep yourself engaged. But I know I would just be watching Netflix. You guys, right? <laughs> yep. I've done Netflix a few times on my long rides. It's, you know, it's it's fun. It makes the time go um, go by pretty quick. You just have to remember if you're watching movies, sometimes you slow down your pedal pace. So if you're if you're just doing it to get active and move, or you're, you're good. But if you're training or whatever, and you have a kind of a specific goal or target or heart rate range to stay in there, just be, you know, be mindful of that, that you might kind of slow down a little bit or forget that you're not pedaling as hard. But there's no, you know, watching movies is a great way to occupy time on a bike. It does seem safer because I've been on the, the treadmill just walking before trying to watch a show and I, I might have flipped the side one or two or three times. So I've definitely uh, been in a little bit of a dangerous situation before. So that might be the move for me. <laughs> right. At least cycling, there's not as much chance you're going to fly off the bike when you're just watching a TV show at home. <laughs> Unless you're on rollers, which is a different type of trainer. So, yeah. Oh boy. So there's still a chance, Jake. <laughs> oh no. It's minimal. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. So, oh my gosh, we've gotten through so many topics here. I just want to ask, and I, I can open it up if anybody else has any questions. I have one last question. Um, since we've talked about riding inside versus riding outside, and I know Tree, you had mentioned not wanting to ride in the cold and in the city. And I the cold doesn't bother me so much as you guys know, but I am afraid of getting hit by cars or running into parked cars or <laughs> other people. I just feel like I'm accident prone in that way that I'll definitely, that something like that would definitely happen to me. So what do you, despite those factors, right? Th those are things like accidents, but what do you think is better riding indoors or outdoors? Um, they're both really good and they both serve a purpose. So obviously, you know, if you're training for a specific event and you're going to be racing or actually outdoors on the road, you want to have some training out there. Just so again, you wind, balance, resistance, it's all a little different factors. But indoor, you know, keeps you safe. You're on a trainer or a stationary bike. Um, they all, you know, so depending on the type of bike, on a trainer, you're still using your bike, your regular bike. So it's similar to the, you know, your hip flexors, quads, um, you still have to push the pedals. If you stop, the trainer stops. But the um, in, like, oh, uh, club bikes or like your cycle room bikes that you would have in a class, they use kind of like a flywheel. So it's a little more involvement of the hamstrings to kind of control the pedal over, um, the pedals over in that circular pa pattern. So they kind of get a lot of work um, versus your hip flexors and quads, like if you're outdoor riding. Um, so they all serve purpose. You know, break it up, add intensities. For me, I can dial in, get on a bike. I can kill those intervals, go all out, watch my heart rates. I don't have to worry about the traffic where outdoor riding, you have a lot more factors. You know, you have people, you have cars, so it might be harder to vary those resistance. So um, mix it up if you can. That's It gives you the best of both worlds. But, you know, if it's your environments like New York where it's cold or there's heavy population of people and items and you're worried, then keep it inside. Like it. It just depends on what's better for you. And that's really what, what should matter. Um, but if you are training again for a race, something specific, then do mix up a little bit. So you have that experience outside before race day. So you don't want to go to race day, whether it's a cycling event or a triathlon, 
not really having much outdoor time. So same thing with running. If you're treadmill running all the time and then you're going to go run an event, you definitely want to go outside and experience that outdoor environment, ground and, you know, humidity, et cetera. Yeah, it does feel so much different. I do like the concept or the idea of utilizing my hamstrings more, though. That's not something I I had thought about before because for me, one of the main reasons I don't do a lot of cycling is because when I'm sitting down at my desk all day for work, being in that hips flexed position all day, when I think about getting up to exercise, I just don't want to be in that position anymore when cycling does have you quad dominant, hip flexor dominant. So I really like that you mentioned that actually, because that is something that I really interests me is just being more hamstring dominant in that movement so that I can kind of counteract what I've been doing all day and like the reasons why I'm hesitant to cycle, right? You're kind of saying that there's no reason for me to be hesitant because I could just switch it up. <laughs> so I like that. Yeah. And that's really with those indoor club cycle bikes, like your Kaisers and your, um, your Schwens that you're going to get more of that hamstring involvement, kind of controlling that flywheel versus in an outdoor bike, um, which is more quad hip flexor, but it's good. I mean, it's just good to break it up a little bit, right? Too much of too, too much of a good thing is can be a bad thing. So just mix it all up and get a variety of everything. Um, As a new cyclist, I would call myself a new cyclist. I'm curious to know your opinion on like the do's and don'ts, right? Like I, sometimes I'm, I'm riding in the city and then people skip me and I'm like, Oh, am I moving too fast? It's too slow. Or, you know, I don't know. Like, did I put my signal out? Like what are those, what are some of the things that, you know, we, we would um, look out for to, you know, make the community a better place. I'm not saying that it's not a good place now. Yeah, no, it's it's a good, good question. So obviously know your rules, your cycling. There are rules out there for each state for cyclists. So know those rules, know your road, know your route as well. Um, be mindful of car doors. So if you're riding on the road, know, you know, passenger side, driver's side, anybody can open a car door, it can be dangerous. So on either side of the street, um, so whether you're, you know, riding on the road or the sidewalk, just be mindful of those. Just always, you know, watch eyes, you know, on the road at all time, know where you're going, watch for debris in the street, potholes, any of those can cause, you know, your bike to quick, you have to quickly move or adjust. Um, always know who's behind you, who's around you. If you're riding with other cyclists too, just, you know, be careful not to get too close to them, especially if you're not comfortable riding in a pack, um, because, you know, one quick move or stop, like, can take everybody down. So, just be mindful there um, and just get comfortable with your bike too. So before, if you get a bike and you're going to start riding your, your commuter bike or to work or paths, maybe take it to a quieter area, get comfortable, know how to gear, shift, brake, um, all of that um, will help you, you know, be comfortable before you actually go where there's a ton of people and you're, they're walking, riding. And then get, you know, if you're on the street or not so much a street, but if you're riding on a path or an area or sidewalk where there's also other individuals, whether they're biking, riding, running, whatever, skateboarding, just give them courtesy, like on your left, on your right, just so they know kind of where you're at. Um, you don't want to startle them last minute. So as I'm approaching, I start to kind of call out. Um, so I don't catch them off guard right, right at the, you know, the moment I'm there. Cause you sometimes don't know which way they're going to hop, even, even though you give a directional cue um, and just be prepared to stop at any, at any moment or adjust as you need to. Thank you for those tips. Those are great. Thank you, Jamie. Again, so much information. 
again, leaving me stumped with all the questions. It's always a pleasure having you on. And we'll probably have to do this again sometime soon in the future for maybe more advanced riders or like some more advanced long endurance or race tips. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to come back and visit. Yeah, awesome. Well, that's it for us today, guys. So thank you for everyone that joined us and we'll see you next time.